Ladies and gentlemen, we're expecting some moderate turbulence. Please remain seated and enjoy the show. Hello. And welcome to... Moderate Turbulence. I'm Jeremy. I'm Adele. Where are you, Adele? I'm in the normal place. I'm in Calgary. And where am I, Adele? (laughs) (laughs) I'm in Vancouver. (laughs) So we're still doing kind of remote podcast right now. So, But instead of Montreal, you're back in Calgary. Yay. Yeah, it's true. Last um, episode we recorded, you were still in Vancouver. I was in Montreal. Since then, we both were in Calgary together for a couple days over the weekend. (laughs) I was there twice, actually, because I had to come to Calgary, teach, come back to Vancouver, teach, and then go back to Calgary so that we could spend the weekend together. Yeah, it was a lot of back and forth for Jeremy. And yeah, that's why also we apologize for the late podcast last week. It got recorded. It got recorded on time, but then, you know, Jeremy's pretty much doing what like 10 hour days at the training center on well, not 10 hour days but i'm working busy days uh yeah well, especially if you have to fly back and forth it's uh that's what it was like because i can't uh, like i have uh all of the podcast stuff is on like a desktop computer now not on a laptop so i can't uh i can't just edit the podcast sort of on the go um so it sort of took a back seat while i was going back and forth so much yeah, but it's a great episode. It's the one where we talked about the uh, book we just both read, the one we've you know hinted at several times, Falling by T.J. Newman. Great, great book. So listen to that podcast, but read the book before because we might you know have a few spoilers because we're discussing the the entirety of it. Um, but yeah, so we're trying to get this recorded and released on time. Um, but of course, with uh, both of us getting back into. Uh, the swing of things, we might have, you know, a bit of adjustment period. So bear with us. We are going to try our best, you know, but once in a while, it, it can uh, come a little late until we get, um, you know, our footing with uh, both of us back in the skies and, you know, doing this remotely and you're working for t- full time. I'll be flying wherever, being away as well. So um, yeah, but uh, Jeremy set up the mic for me before he left, so I hopefully have better sound than I did last week. Yeah, it wasn't horrible, but I mean, using these microphones, it's a, it's a lot better quality. But yeah, you were using your AirPods last week, and it sounds okay, but these definitely give a, a much fuller sound. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, AirPods are great, but they're not uh, Broadcast the ideal. <laughs> yeah, the ideal thing to record, uh, you know voice sound things you know because a podcast is essentially just sound true so anyways um before we get into the meat of this episode was there a few things that we wanted to chat about yeah i was gonna ask you how is your preparation coming because your training is coming up to come back to work yeah so in well in a week from a week from today I will be an officially qualified flight attendant again because I will be finishing my training. Um, so I have we have to do online modules. We have to do some written documents, um, like like quizzes, pre-exam, pre-training quizzes. I guess you would call it. Um, I had to get, of course, my like equipment again. If you that, 
you could call it that? Your, the materials that you need to fly. So uh, your manuals, um, every flight attendant, well, I, I can't speak for other countries, but in Canada, every flight attendant needs to have access to a FAM, a flight attendant manual. And that's all of your required documentation that you need to fly, all of your safety and emergency procedures, things like that. And uh, for you, because you're an in-charge flight attendant with our airline, you get an iPad that carries all of that material. So you had to get that back. And as well, like you were saying, you had to do all of those like little quizzes and things like that before uh, being qualified as a flight attendant. Now, you we all have to follow um, what's called here in Canada, the flight attendant training standard. And that means you have to qualify as per Transport Canada's regulations. So to do that, a lot of the material is covered in a workbook. And so you're completing the workbook and all of the online modules before you even go into training. So there's a lot to do, a lot of pre-prep work, I guess. Well, yeah. So everything that Jeremy just described very well is, you know, what I've been doing. Thankfully, I was able to get most of it done over this weekend. And yesterday I got my um, security badge. So to, to be able to access, you know, the aircraft and, and to go through security as a crew member, we need, uh, you know, the access, we need the clearance. So I got that done yesterday and um, yeah, I got all my manuals as well. So I was just finishing setting that up uh, before we recorded, you know, to everything, make sure everything uh, is is set up properly. And well, I'm also going to keep studying on it. And of course I have to use it uh, once I start flying, which I will be doing as of September 1st. I don't know where I'm going because I don't know. Well, I guess we haven't mentioned this yet because I didn't get my schedule, um, but yeah, I do have my schedule for September. I, of course, am on reserve, which means um, I'm on call. I don't have um, any pairings or cycles or anything um, assigned to me uh, yet. It's just a day's of working and days of not working that my schedule is. And um, so as of September 1st, I am working for seven days straight, <laughs> which will be interesting. We will definitely keep you posted on what happens to me for seven days. Um, I'm expecting to work those full seven days and also be away from home for seven days. Um, I'm super nervous about that just because it's, it's a lot it's a, a long stretch of days and it's going to be, uh, you know, being thrown back into <laughs> the swing of things quite intensely. But we've been wanting this for the past year and a half and we're, you know, we're an aviation podcast is our jobs, our careers. Um, but, you know, not everything is amazing 100% of the time. So that'll be, you know, the little bit of stress and the, of course a little get, getting back to work getting used to everything but uh, um, I'm sure I'll enjoy it and you know checking into my hotel room for the first time that'll also be fun wherever it'll be I'm gonna be excited because I can't wait to sleep in in a hotel room as weird as it sounds like it, it's it's fun to check into you know different hotel rooms and you know oh I get it so I've I've often said reserve is one of those things. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Personally, I hated it. I did not like reserve. I don't like the unknown. Um, it's kind of a, you really have to roll with the punches kind of thing and be prepared for the, for the unknown because they could say, hey, you're going here. And then when you show up at the airport, they're like, just kidding. You're going here instead. 
and you have to be okay with that. And it, like, I, I just wasn't one of those people that was lucky on reserve. I have friends who swear by being on reserve. I had a friend who could hold overseas flights, but was like, mm, I'm going to try reserve because I think I, I can hold better overseas flights that way and was always lucky. Some people love it. Some people don't. <laughs> yeah. And to explain just what Jeremy said, um, essentially, the person he was talking about, seniority wise, he could have a set schedule, a predetermined schedule, but the person chose to have a reserve schedule. So an on-call schedule, because sometimes what he could select or what he would be called for would be, as you say, better overseas. So instead of going, let's say, London, he may be getting to go to Shanghai. Exactly. You know? And for him, that may be better. For some people, that may be worse. But for for that situation, you know, just to explain to our non-aviation people quickly. <laughs> yeah, and it's luck of the draw, right? You could take that gamble and say, oh, I'm going to try for this and end up getting nothing but Saskatoon turns or something, you know, Saskatoon random. Turns. But right now, I would love to go to Saskatoon. Great farmer's market in the summer. Just saying. Yeah, I actually said that to the people at our at our airport uh, greeting center, whatever you want to call it, our base here in Calgary. I was like, oh, I mean, I actually wouldn't mind going to Saskatoon because I've only been once and it was in the summer and it was beautiful. It's I, I love Saskatoon for that. Yeah, the the farmer's market is actually quite great. I've never been to the farmer's market, but I did have a, take a long walk along the, the river there. So, Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. Um, Anything else you want to talk about before the meat of the episode, <laughs> as you said? Well, you have to keep people on their toes. Um, I'm, I just want to say also we haven't forgotten about our highs and lows uh, segment, but Jeremy just did that one pairing at the end of July and then was put into the training part of it. So, and I'm not flying yet. So we're, we haven't, you know, really had highs and lows to discuss. So it will be back once we start flying. Once, you know, I have a flight and Jeremy has a flight. We'll definitely put that in. But of course, if, if we're not flying, it doesn't really make sense to make up stories (laughs) or talk about, uh, past like really past flights so you know it'll come once we're back flying so you know i'm thinking maybe the next highs and lows can be your highs and lows from training to return to work uh, as a flight attendant i mean maybe but maybe we'll see how interesting it'll be (laughs) don't worry we'll make it interesting for you (laughs) no but i mean like for my highs and lows for the listeners anyways Jeremy has prepared an incident. Yay! Woohoo! Cheers! <laughs> I know it's been a long time, so I'm glad we're getting back into this. Uh, the incident that I'm going to be doing today is one that I remembered again from my initial training because it's uh, we had to watch a video on this whole incident. And um, when I was coming back into training for this last round here, uh, this incident got covered as part of um, one of the modules that we were doing. And so I was like, you know what? I think this is a good one to share with our listeners um, so they can understand sort of how things progressed within the aviation world. Uh, And that'll make more sense at the end when we sort of discuss this. Sound good? Okay. I'm ready. Perfect. Today, we're going to discuss the Kegworth Air Disaster or British Midlands Flight 92. 
Does that ring any bells for you, Adele? Well, when you said training, I kind of was thinking something when it comes to British. I thought it was British Airways, but I I, I was like sort of thinking on those lines. But I kind of don't know what you're talking about, though. Okay, well, this incident happened on January 6th, 1989. This was on a Boeing 737-400. Our flight was flying from London Heathrow to Belfast International Airport. There's 118 passengers and eight crew. Of those eight crew, our captain today is Kevin Hunt. He's 43. He has 13,200 hours flying, and he's been with BMI since 1966. Our first officer is David McClelland. He's 39, and he has 3,300 hours flying, and he's been with BMI since 1988. Okay, so into the incident here. BD-092 departed London Heathrow at 7.52 p.m. en route for Belfast. As they climbed just past 28,000 feet, a loud bang was heard. There were severe vibrations, and some smoke was seen in the cabin accompanied by a burning smell. Passengers could see sparks and smoke emitting from the left engine. While troubleshooting the issue in the flight deck, Captain Hunt asked First Officer McClelland which engine was malfunctioning, and McClelland replied, It's the left. It's the right one. So here's where some of the confusion begins. Now, in previous versions of the Boeing 737, the left and right engines would supply air to different parts of the aircraft. Uh, and it was slightly different than the new version that they had. This was the 737-400. was brand new to BMI. They'd only been flying it for a month or so. So now the engine supplied air to, again, different parts of the cabin that they're used to. So because they believed that the right engine was the one malfunctioning, they reduced thrust. The vibrations ceased and the smoke seemed to dissipate. So eventually the right engine was shut down and they continued with only the left engine, the damaged engine, which was providing thrust. So they diverted to East Midlands Airport. On final approach, the pilots attempted to increase thrust in the damaged engine, which ignited a fire, crippling the engine completely. So now both engines are unable to provide any thrust. The aircraft is falling at a dangerous rate. It's not able to make it to the runway. They're now flying too slow to be able to restart the right engine. The captain makes the announcement, prepare for crash landing about 10 seconds before the tail and the main landing gear strike the ground just short of the very busy M1 motorway. The aircraft then bounced, clips a few trees and a lamppost before coming to a rest on the other side of the motorway. The aircraft is now broken apart into three large pieces. Of the 118 passengers on board, there were 47 fatalities. All eight crew members survived, and miraculously, there were no casualties on the ground. The cause of the malfunction of the engine was determined to be metal fatigue from a fan blade, which then broke off. The cause of the accident was due to the incorrect engine being shut down. One of the major takeaways from this incident was the adoption of CRM. What does CRM stand for, Adele? Crew Resource Management. Excellent. And back me up on this one here. So nowadays... During briefings, and this is between the pilots and the in-charge flight attendant, you're often going to hear pilots say things like, you, the cabin crew, you're the eyes and ears of the aircraft, so let us know if something doesn't seem right. Have you ever heard something along those lines? Of course, pretty much every flight. There you go. Now, during this incident, the captain had made an announcement explaining that the right engine was shut down after a malfunction. 
none of the passengers brought this to the attention of the cabin crew. Uh, The cabin crew at this point were tending to other duties, subsequently did not hear the public address announcement. So nowadays, a full briefing would occur between the pilots and the in-charge flight attendant, thus mitigating an incident such as this to occur again. So we're just going to discuss sort of today's procedures uh, on how we deal with an incident. So if there's something that's going very wrong on the aircraft, and now we have to make some sort of emergency landing, we do what's called a a cabin prep. Okay, so the pilots tell the in-charge flight attendant, hey, something's going on. We need to prepare the cabin in case there's some sort of malfunction and we crash. I say crash in quotes because we never really say crash on board the aircraft. Um, So we have procedure set in place where the pilots call the in-charge to the flight deck for this briefing. Then the in-charge takes down all the information and then passes it on to the rest of the cabin crew. And then we thus have a briefing, prepare the cabin, and all of that. Now, in... If those procedures were in place during the incident that we just described, I think we would have mitigated many things because the pilots would have been like, yep, yeah, the right engine, yada, yada, yada. And the the flight attendants could have been like, "Um, we actually just saw flames and sparks and fire shooting out of the left engine. So why are you shutting down the right engine? And thus, you could have a little crew resource management, figure out what's actually going on, and then take care of the issue at hand. Does that sound right? Yep. Exactly. So what do you think of this incident? Well, you mentioned this, the, was it the first officer who said left, right? Yeah. He said, it's the left, it's the right engine. Like, so he was hesitant. He he didn't seem sure Mm -hmm. about what, where the problem was coming from. So like that right away should have just been an indication of, okay, you should figure it out. Okay, yeah, maybe ask the crew because they are they have the windows to see mm-hmm. or I, I don't know. It's just, it's it's crazy to, to, to think about. Obviously, there's not much time when it comes to those situations. Like everything has to just happen right away and you have to make, you know, split second decisions. But if you're unsure about which side of the aircraft is actually damaged, like you need to, you know, use your crew. There's exactly it's yeah. not just the pilots that are on board. Yeah, they're flying the aircraft, but if there's flight attendants in the back, they they might have more information as well. Yeah. And and again, that's why we do things in our briefings. And that's why you'll hear pilots say things like you're the eyes and ears in the back or you're the eyes and ears of the cabin or of the plane or whatnot. Because, you know, in your flight deck, you've got your window and you can see forward. You can't see a very, very much behind you. Mm hmm. But it's also interesting that no flight attendants communicated forward to say, oh, hey, by the way, there's flames in the left engine. Exactly. And I mean, again, that's another thing we have nowadays, even during engine startup. If we see flames persisting longer than a certain amount of time, or if flames are coming out of different parts of the engine that they're not supposed to, we're supposed to report that right away to the flight tech. And that's during engine startup. Because it's normal yeah. to see some flames come out the back of the engine, but we don't want them there too long. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's part of our training every year. We always go go over that, to, you know, to reiterate, hey, if you see this, report it right away. Tell someone, mm-hmm. you know, it's and it's always, you know, our whole training is like, hey, cabin crew 
reports to the in-charge flight attendant, and then an in-charge flight attendant always reports to the captain. There's always communication. There's always, you know, information being passed around. There's always, you know, protocols for any kind of situation. Okay, you let this person know, and then you let this person know. It's never yep. just like one person handling any situation. Mm-hmm. And that's where, you know, a lot of the crew resource management sort of comes into play. We talked a little bit about this when we talked about uh, United, I think it's 282, uh, the one that uh, crashed in Sioux City, where the aircraft was crippled. They were losing, I think they lost all hydraulics and they were still trying to control the aircraft. And they made some excellent decisions, which definitely saved lives. Um but that was due to proper crew resource management where it wasn't sort of the old school school of thought where what the captain says goes and you never never disobey the captain type thing. And more it's like the captain's going to take in all of the information. Yes, he will have the final say, but it's not just going to be a split second decision. It's going to be an educated decision. And in that case, that's where he, you know, he passed off the throttles to a check captain that was also uh, flying. And then they they were able to, I mean, it was a horrible situation, but they were able to save some lives in that one. Uh, in this one, and I don't, I guess it was in the late 80s, so it wasn't too, too long ago. And I don't know if it was still in that era where it's like the captain is the be all end all and you don't, you don't say a word against the captain. But if he had taken in a little bit more information from the rest of his crew, especially the crew, uh, the cabin crew in the back, I think they could have saved more lives than and not had as many fatalities. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, that's why we use this example for training. And that's why every incident we always talk about, there's little things that come out of each incident and things change in the aviation world after that. Yeah, Because, you know, when there's an error like that, that could have been avoided because some protocol, some procedure should have been put in place beforehand, then, you know, you make sure that that never happens again. Mm -hmm. And in fact, with this incident, there were 31 safety recommendations after this incident. So, you know, hopefully some positive change. Crazy. Definitely. eh? I mean, you know, I could just from, you know, our little discussion, I could pick if that happened on one of our flights, there would be the cabin crew in the back, the flight crew in the front. Everybody would be working. Everybody would be communicating. There'd be prep going on on both sides of the flight deck door. And everybody would be like all hands on deck working together for that. You know, it sounds mm-hmm. like the cabin crew was still just doing their regular jobs. But if they had no information from the flight crew, like what, what are they supposed to do? You know? Yeah. But they yeah. could have also communicated what they saw. If they saw anything, I mean, we're assuming here, but, or like the passengers might've seen something like, it's just like, yeah. Do you remember this one from initial training? Sounds familiar, but we see videos like every year when we do um, our training, annual training. We get to watch videos and we basically, as part of our annual training, we go over like at least one incident every year. So that's good. And there's lots of them over the years. <laughs> well, I think that pretty much wraps up this week's episode. Yeah. I hope you all enjoyed the return of incidents. Yeah, there um, will be more. Don't you worry. <laughs> yeah, but like I mentioned before we got recalled, I think it'll be a bit weirder to talk about, you know, 
flight incidents when we're actually flying actively yeah. uh, on our day-to-day lives, but uh, we'll keep doing them, but it'll be weirder. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm I'm that weird guy who I used to watch Mayday and those shows when I was on layovers. <laughs> Ooh, let's watch all these all these television shows about plane crashes because uh, I'm that weird guy. Let's be honest. Well, yeah, but when we prepare incidents, we also do extra research and then we talk about it, you yeah. know, and it's like, anyways, it's a lot, but we'll make it work and we'll just make sure that it doesn't happen on any of our flights. Yay, I'm all up for that. The way that sounded bad. Yay, I'm all about not having incidents on my flights. Weirdo. Any hoosers. <laughs> Remember that if you're out there flying as a passenger, you got to make sure. You're always nice to your flight attendants. Because they might have to save your butt one day. Bye, everybody. Goodbye. Where's Roxy? She's probably on the couch. <laughs> okay, bye, everyone. <laughs> bye. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts. We have new episodes every Wednesday. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Moderate Turbulence on Instagram, at Mod Turbulence on Twitter, and follow us individually on Instagram at Huffy J and at La Delvi. Thank you.